Hello, my friends. My name is Madge. This is the MadgeCast. And um, we're talking about resistance and resilience in a time of extraordinary and terrifying change in America. Um, this week, I had a few things I wanted to talk about. The first being that uh, just to sort of talk about how weird it is right now, the experience of being alive in this is just, it's very odd. It's very strange. Uh, I seem to be of many minds at the same time. Like on one hand, I had a really fun week. You know, I got a lot done at work. Um, my husband, Rich, and I went to see Henry Rollins. That was really fun. Uh, I met up with some activist women here in Boulder to make phone calls to senators. And that was great. And then Saturday, I uh, cleaned the windows and we hung up our Christmas lights and all of that was super fun. And at the same time, all that super fun stuff was going on. I was also like, what? Um, terrified, right? Because we had another week of crazy shit happening in our political system. Um, you know, what with Donald calling Taiwan and doing that deal with Carrier where, you know, America gets to keep a thousand jobs for the low, low price of $7 million and nominating like just a, an, an unfettered stream of bigots and billionaires to all of the important posts in his administration. It's just, it's mind boggling. And um, I've never seen anything like it. And it's a really strange sensation for me to get used to being perfectly happy and also being completely terrified at the same time. Uh, this week, I have to admit that I found myself wanting to shut down the terror stuff and focus on the fun, uh, focus on the work that I can do, focus on my life. Um, and normally, this, you know, this is a, a pretty normal thing for humans to do, right? When things get scary, we narrow our focus. We tend to um, just circle the wagons and curl up like a little porky porcupine for protection and retreat into what we know. But I don't think that's the right tactic here. Um, the only thing that I can really compare this situation to is the last few years of my grandma's life when she was perfect until she was 88. And then she started to have problems and, of course, had more and more problems until she passed away at age 90. And, uh, you know, she was one of my favorite human beings ever. And I was super happy that I was able to help look out for her. Um, but it wasn't easy, you know. Like, every day, there was an unlimited number of things that I could do to help her. There was at least 24 hours of ways that I could serve her, um, but I also needed to, you know, go to my job and sleep and eat and try to have some fun so that I could keep going at all, right? Um, and figuring out where to draw those lines so that I could take care of her and also take care of myself, it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do just because I didn't really know where to draw them. There's no um, guide for how you do that, right? Um a lot of people, especially a lot of women, are taught not to draw boundaries, and they find themselves serving the needs of other people 
for their whole lives. Now, I always kind of resist that conditioning, right? Um, I try to inhabit a place where I can engage and also disengage and draw boundaries where I think I need them on a case-by-case basis. But um, it's not easy because you have to think and search your soul and push yourself and also care for yourself all at the same time. And it's easy to get to a place where you're frustrated and confused and you just slide out of the struggle entirely. Um, especially uh, right now, I'm, I'm really trying not to do that because, you know, I've talked about this before. I'm a really lucky person. I make a good, a good living, have a nice house. Um, there's no one with a gun in my face on a day-to-day basis. There's no one uh, oppressing me on a day-to-day basis. I don't have to fight. But um, if I didn't, (laughs) I would not be able to look myself in the mirror, right? Like, I feel a great responsibility here. Um, I need to respect that responsibility that I feel, but I also need to take some time to hang my Christmas lights and take a walk, and um, all of that is necessary, So I think that um, it's just something that I've been thinking about a lot. Maybe you have to. uh, My tendency is to sort of slide into my own little bubble and do my own thing and not worry so much about what's happening in the outside world. I know other people have other tendencies, but I think it's worth it for all of us to to just think about it for a while um, and just be aware of Are we engaging at a point that um, is healthy for us? Are we engaging at a point where we are pushing ourselves to engage? There's a balance to be achieved there. And we may not ever achieve it, but I think it's it's something that's been going through my mind anyway. I wanted to discuss with you guys. Um, The other thing that's been on my mind is this idea that the maps that we navigate by as people are changing right now. Um, When I talk about mental maps, I'm just talking about the the sort of ideas and the models that we all use to navigate the world. And those maps come from everywhere. They come from our families and books we read, stories we hear, ideas that we become aware of, um, experiences that we go through. And we're always seeing the world in reference to the maps that we're looking at. That's just how a human brain works. Um, Some of our maps are very tightly held, right? Like we just grasp onto them with everything we have. Like um, religious beliefs can be like that. Political beliefs can be like that. But what we see right now happening, I think, in the U.S. and all over the world is kind of an epic showdown between groups of people who navigate by different maps and feel really strongly about those different maps. And that showdown is in and of itself changing the terrain. Um, And that's, and you know, because people update their maps based on reality, that means our maps are also in upheaval. So the ground is shifting beneath us and we're trying to figure out how to navigate that shifting ground. I definitely feel this personally. Um, The terrain I occupy is shifting and my maps are in disarray. Not all of my maps, right? Like there's those tightly held ones that I still believe in. I still believe in feminism. 
and I believe in civil rights and equality and justice for everyone. But um, like a lot of us, I think, I had some beliefs and assumptions built into my maps that have been proven false over the course of the campaign and the election. Like, um, like this feeling I had that humanity was on some sort of road towards progress and that discrimination was terrible, but it was on its way out slowly but surely, and that we were going to get our shit together sooner or later and rally and sort something out about climate change. And it's not like I no longer believe any of that, but I am seeing on a new level, especially since the election, that there's no guarantees about any of it, right? Um, It can all come crashing down at any time. In fact, a lot of it is crashing down. And my maps, they did not prepare me for that in any way. And um, the way that I thought my maps were pointing me, that's not the way that we're going anymore. So I'm trying to update my maps. I'm trying to build new ones that will help me navigate where I think we might be headed So I'm sucking up a lot of new information in my attempt to do that. And I think a lot of people are doing the same thing, sort of trying to take their mental model and shake it out and um, straighten it up to have it refer to what is now our reality as opposed to what we thought was our reality. And I think as shit gets weirder and weirder in the U.S., more and more people will be doing this. Um, And... On one hand, that's very dangerous because right now, the center of gravity of the way people are thinking and feeling, the momentum in the country seems to be coming from a very dark place. Um, It has been throughout the entire campaign and the election. And honestly, it would be there even if Hillary had won. Something has uh, started and gathered speed to the point where a lot of people are getting sucked into it. So... Um, I need to, I've been trying to anyway, have some humility about that, right? Because as I'm taking in new, new information and standing on shifting ground, um, I need to resist that dark center of gravity. I need to stay aware of it and I need to keep my eye on it and try to understand it all without getting sucked into it. And that's a surprisingly difficult thing to do, um, I mean, I have to admit I'm a slightly suggestible person. In the last episode of the podcast, I was talking about how I basically believe in this fictional religion I read in a sci-fi book. But I'm also, I'm not a dummy. I know how to think critically. And to some extent, anyway, I know what I believe. And with all that in my favor, there has still been some moments where I step close to the reality distortion field around this new administration, and I start to feel its pull on me. Like, maybe virulent racism is just another valid point of view, or maybe we're being too hard on Donald. Um, And of course, I don't really think that stuff, but the reality distortion thing is real, and it's powerful. Um, And I know I need to be really vigilant about it, and I encourage you to be, too. Um, We need to take in new information and reorient ourselves to the new reality, yes, we definitely need to, need to do that. But in the process of doing all that, 
we need to also be super aware and protective of our truest and most important beliefs. Because these moments between stories, these moments where people aren't sure how to navigate and they're trying to piece it together, they are chaotic moments. They are dangerous moments where any and every fucked up thing you can imagine can happen. Um, At the same time, I think these moments might also present maybe an interesting opportunity. Because when things just start trucking along as usual, um, people's maps are stable, the terrain is fairly stable, at least it appears to be. Um, But when things start to collapse, as much about our world is now collapsing, it creates a vacuum. And into that vacuum, a lot of new ideas are pulled in from the fringes. And right now, the fringy stuff is coming from the fringiest fringe of the alt-right, white supremacist, whatever you want to call it, side. And it looks like we are going to see at least some of that play out. Um, But at some point, there's no doubt in my mind that the Donald's movement is going to fail spectacularly. I hope it fails spectacularly without a body count, but I, who knows? I can't make any conjectures on how that's going to go, but I do know it's going to fail because it's built on things that are not true. And when that failure happens, people are going to need a new story. They're going to need new maps. Uh, they're going to need new ideas. And I think in that moment, maybe, um, maybe we can get some radical peace and justice for human beings and the planet stuff pulled into the scene. Maybe we can keep our eyes open for opportunities to do things that support people, um, to build systems that support people instead of accumulating capital above all else. I don't know. Um, I'm just thinking ahead because right now, Our first priority in this resistance clearly has to be defense. Our first priority has to be protecting the people who this administration seeks to harm. But at the same time, I feel like this weird, unstable place that we're in may also present us with some chances to flip the conversation in some ways towards empathy for other living beings. And I think that could, um, that's something worth thinking about too. And that could be something really powerful. Of course, um, if we're going to build a conversation um, and ways to live on empathy for other living beings, that presents another challenge, at least for me, which is being able to feel empathy towards a group of people in our country and in our world who have chosen to fuck things up so thoroughly for everybody. Of course, I'm talking about people who voted for the host of The Apprentice as president. Uh, This week, some folks started expressing regrets in their choice. Um, There's a Tumblr showing these regrets. I'll link to it. And uh, some of those regrets are fairly enjoyable for me to read, like people who are mad that Donald no longer wants to burn Hillary at the stake. Those are very enjoyable to me, (laughs) but there's this other set of regrets um, from Trump voters that are coming in that are a lot more difficult for me to enjoy laughing at at all, like this poor guy who lives on $800 a month in Social Security and is now terrified 
that his income is going away. And um, yeah, it's harder than I expected it would be for me to enjoy any kind of laugh at that guy's expense. And um, I'm sort of struck by, you know, if you envision a Venn diagram of people who voted for Donald and people who will be thoroughly, thoroughly fucked by his, pro, by his policies, there's a huge overlap there. Um, I mean, I know people who voted for him because they're scared of terrorism and um, their lives are completely dependent on government programs and they didn't really understand or consider that that would be impacted by this. And it's sort of head-smackingly frustrating and also completely heartbreaking because part of me is like, well, fuck these people. They get what they deserve. Um, I don't have any empathy for the reasons that made people vote for him. But at the same time, I do have empathy for people who are suffering and who are going to suffer even more. So um, I don't know. I'm still pretty hacked off at everyone who voted for Donald Trump and the destruction that they're bringing on to our country. But I am trying to make space for empathy and uh, even eventually for forgiveness. <laughs> I don't know. Thinking about it from the biggest perspective that I can muster, the truth is, is that we are all victims of the hyper-capitalist system that runs the world right now. And we keep getting divided up based on race and class and many, many other factors. But almost every human being is suffering from the system, as is the planet itself. And um, I feel like if we're going to have any success in building something new, it's going to have to be built on empathy for each other and also for the natural systems that we're embedded in. So, um, again, of two minds about the situation, super hacked off and also setting a place at the table for empathy um, holding space for it if it's not here yet because we are all fucked by this now. We're all in that fuckedness together. All right. Um, and that's basically what was on my mind this week. But before I sign off, I wanted to present you with a challenge should you choose to accept it. I um, challenge you to, uh, if this is something that you don't normally do, find some sort of activist meeting or training in your town this week and go to it whether it be a uh, city council meeting or a meeting of standing up for racial justice or um, a Planned Parenthood volunteer training meeting, there are a lot of opportunities to get in the community and talk with people. And in doing this, I feel that we are literally helping to build the infrastructure of the resistance. And um, we also build resilience within ourselves when we do this. Um, every time I've gone to a community meeting in the last few weeks, I've left feeling more empowered, more connected, and more ready to fight. It's extremely powerful. So um, I hope that you will take the challenge, and I hope that you will report back to me and let me know how it went. Um, you can email me at belesscrazy at gmail.com or... Um, you can 
leave a review on the podcast on iTunes. Um, you can comment on my blog at BeLessCrazy.com. Um, either way, I hope that you will take the challenge and get in touch with me and let me know how it went. So um, thank you, as always, for listening, and stay strong. <laughs>